Hi, and welcome to the Living Room Scripture Lessons. My name is Brad Constantine, and this podcast series is going to be about the book of Genesis. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort has been made to, to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. If you're interested in a deep analysis of the book of Genesis, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy what you hear here, and if you have any questions, you can share, link, and subscribe. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to the Genesis podcast. I'm Brad Constantine, and this discussion is going to be on Genesis chapter 4. Now, Genesis chapter 4 is also Moses chapter 5, except that Moses chapter 5 has a whole lot more uh, scriptures in it. So we're going to use Moses 5 to uh, study Genesis 4 today. Now, Genesis 4 doesn't actually start until Moses 5 verse 16, but at least... Um, we're going to be covering all of Genesis 4 as we talk about Moses 5. So if you want to go to Moses 5 and the Pearl of Great Price, that would be great. Um, one thing I want you to be thinking about, since we're also going to be talking in this discussion about Cain and Abel, and I want you to, I want you to think about when Cain was tempted by Satan to kill his brother Abel, was the Spirit or was the Lord equally as forceful or was he equally working on Cain not to do it as Satan was to do it. So be thinking about that, and we'll talk about it toward the end of the lesson. All right, so let's get into verse 1 of Moses chapter 5. And it came to pass that after I, the Lord God, had driven them out, in other words, out of the Garden of Eden, that Adam began to till the earth and to have dominion over all the beasts of the field and to eat his bread by the sweat of his brow, as I, the Lord, had commanded him. And Eve also, his wife, did labor with him. I want you to think about this, too. This is from Parley P. Pratt. He said, Now, reader, contemplate the change. This scene, which was so beautiful a little before, had now become the abode of sorrow and toil, of death and mourning. The earth groaned with its production of accursed thorns and thistles, man and beast at enmity, the serpent slyly creeping away, fearing lest his head should get the deadly bruise, and man startling amid the thorny path, in fear lest the serpent's fangs should pierce his heel, while the lamb yields his blood upon the smoking altar. Soon man begins to persecute, hate, and murder his fellow, until at length the earth is filled, filled with violence. All flesh becomes corrupt. The powers of darkness prevailed, and it repented Noah that God had made man. And it grieved him at his heart, because the Lord should come out in vengeance and cleanse the earth by water. Men have degenerated and greatly changed, as well as the earth. The sins, the abominations... And the many evil habits of the latter ages have added to the miseries, toils, and sufferings of human life. The idleness, extravagance, pride, covetousness, drunkenness, and other abominations which are characteristics of the latter times have all combined to sink mankind to the lowest state of wretchedness and degradation, while priestcraft and false doctrines have greatly tended to lull mankind to sleep and cause them to rest infinitely short of the powers of attainments which the ancients enjoyed and which are alone calculated to exalt the intellectual powers of the human mind, to establish noble and generous sentiments, to enlarge the heart and to expand the soul to the utmost extent of its capacity. Witness the ancients conversing with the great Jehovah, learning lessons from the angels and receiving instructions by the Holy Ghost in dreams by night and visions by day until at length the veil is taken off and they are permitted to gaze with wonder and admiration upon all things past and future, yea, even to soar aloft amid unnumbered worlds. 
while the vast expanse of eternity stands open before them and they contemplate the mighty works of the great I am until they know as they are known and see as they are seen. Compare this intelligence with the low smatterings of education and worldly wisdom which seem to satisfy the narrow mind of man in our generation. And having seen the two contrasted, you will be able to form some idea of the vast elevation from which man has fallen. You will also learn how infinitely beneath his former glory and dignity he is now living, and your heart will mourn and be exceedingly sorrowful when you contemplate him in his low estate, and then think he is your brother, and you will be ready to exclaim with wonder and astonishment, O oh man, how art thou fallen, once thou wast the favorite of heaven, thy maker delighted to converse with thee, and angels and the spirits of just men made perfect were thy companions. But now thou art degraded and brought down to a level with the beasts, yea, far beneath them, for they look with horror and affright at your vain amusements, your sports, and your drunkenness, and thus often set an example worthy of your imitation. Well did the Apostle Peter say of you that you know nothing, only what you know naturally as brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, and thus you perish from generation to generation, while all creation groans under its pollution and sorrow and death, mourning and weeping, fill the measure of the days of man. And again, that was part of P. Pratt from uh, Voice of Warning. Verse 2, And Adam knew his wife, and she bare him sons and daughters, and they began to multiply and replenish the earth, or to fill the earth. And from that time forth, the sons and daughters of Adam began to divide two and two in the land, and to till the land at ten flocks. And they also begat sons and daughters. And Adam and Eve, his wife, called upon the name of the Lord, and they heard the voice of the Lord from the way toward the Garden of Eden, speaking unto them, and they saw him not, for they were shut out of his, from his presence. So they've uh, attained spiritual death, being out of the presence of God, but they could still hear his voice from the garden. And he gave unto them commandments that they should worship the Lord their God, and should offer the firstlings of their flocks for an offering unto the Lord. And Adam was obedient unto the commandments of the Lord. And after many days, an angel of the Lord appeared unto Adam, saying, Why dost thou offer sacrifices unto the Lord? The sacrifices are being offered at Adam on Deom, the place of sacrifice, the place of divine presence, the altar. And Adam said unto him, I know not, save the Lord commanded me. God had previously shown Adam how to do the animal sacrifice, but Adam did not fully understand it, as he says so here. Adam is being obedient, even though he didn't fully understand why. Verse 7, And then the angel spake, saying, This thing is a similitude of the sacrifice of the only begotten of the Father. Their sacrifice is pointing them forward to the atonement of Christ. Today the sacrament points us back to the atonement of Christ. Continuing verse 7, Which is full of grace and truth. Wherefore thou shalt do all that thou doest in the name of the Son, and thou shalt repent and call upon God in the name of the Son forevermore. And in that day the Holy Ghost fell upon Adam, which means he had been baptized previously to this, which beareth record of the Father and the Son, saying, I am the only begotten of the Father from the beginning, henceforth and forever, that as thou hast fallen, thou mayest be redeemed in all mankind, even as many as will. The Holy Ghost is speaking as Christ here by divine investiture of authority. Verse 10, And in that day Adam blessed God and was filled meaning filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to prophesy concerning all the families of the earth, saying, Blessed be the name of God, for because of my transgression. Notice the difference here between what, what Adam is saying and what Eve is saying. Adam is saying, Because of my transgression, my eyes are opened, and in this life I shall have joy, and again in the flesh I shall see God. 
Verse 11, and Eve, his wife, heard all these things and was glad, saying, were it not for our transgression. So Eve sees it differently. She sees it as a joint effort here. We, sh we never should have had seed and never should have known good and evil and the joy of our redemption and the eternal life which God giveth unto all the obedient. So there's a difference here in the perspective that Adam was talking about his transgression and Eve was talking about their transgression. Also, what they're both saying here is that without the fall, there would be no exaltation. In the Book of Mormon, 2 Nephi chapter 2, it says, And now behold, if Adam had not transgressed, he would not have fallen, but he would have remained in the Garden of Eden, and all things which were created must have remained in the same state in which they were after they were created, and they must have remained forever and had no end. And they would have had no children, wherefore they would have remained in a state of innocence, having no joy, for they knew no misery, doing no good, for they knew no sin. So we know from this that had they not partaken of the fruit, that they would still be in the garden even thousands of years later, and we would be stranded in the premortal life, not able to come down here because they hadn't fallen. So the fall was absolutely necessary for us to be here. Verse 12, And Adam and Eve blessed the name of God, and they made all things known unto their sons and their daughters, which means that they probably had family home evening. And Satan came among them, saying, I am also a son of God, which is true. And he commanded them, saying, Believe it, meaning the gospel, not. And they believed it not, and they loved Satan more than God. It's not that they didn't love God. They just loved the things of the world more than the things of God. They loved their sports on Sunday instead of keeping the Sabbath holy. And men began from that time forth to be carnal, sensual, and devilish. If God is not first in our lives, it doesn't matter what is second. Verse 14, And the Lord God called upon men by the Holy Ghost, or the light of Christ, everywhere, and commanded them that they should repent. And as many as believed in the Son, and repented of their sins, should be saved. And as many as believed not, and repented not, they should be damned, or stopped in their progress. And the words went forth out of the mouth of God in a firm decree, wherefore they must be fulfilled. So now we begin in, in verse 16 with Genesis chapter 4. And Adam and Eve, his wife, ceased not to call upon God. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Wherefore, he may not reject his words, but behold, Cain hearkened not, saying, Who is the Lord that I should know him? Abel offered, a God, offered to God a sacrifice that was accepted, which was the firstling of, firstlings of the flock. Cain offered of the fruit of the ground and was not accepted because he could not do it in faith. Shedding the blood of the only begotten to atone for man was the plan of redemption, and as the sacrifice was instituted for a type by which man was to discern the great sacrifice which God had prepared, to offer a sacrifice contrary to that, no faith could be exercised. Consequently, Cain could have no faith, and whatsoever is not of faith is sin. That was Joseph Smith. Verse 17, And she again conceived and bare his brother Abel, and Abel hearkened unto the voice of the Lord. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. It really doesn't matter what their jobs are. They're just describing here uh, what they did. And Cain loved Satan more than God, and Satan commanded him, saying, Make an offering unto the Lord. In other words, uh, he's obeying Satan and not God. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. In other words, Cain held the priesthood and was able to do this, but he didn't have the right attitude about it. Verse 20, And Abel he also brought <clears throat> of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. 
Joseph Smith said, By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. How doth he yet speak? Why, he magnified the priesthood, which was conferred upon him, and died a righteous man, and therefore has become an angel of God by receiving his body from the dead, holding still the keys of his dispensation, and was sent down from heaven unto Paul to minister consoling words, and to commit unto him a knowledge of the mysteries of godliness. So Joseph Smith was saying that Abel appeared uh, as a resurrected person to Paul. 21. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. Now Satan knew this, and it pleased him, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? God always warns us when we begin to stray. If thou doest well, thou shalt be accepted, and if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and Satan desireth to have thee. And except thou shalt hearken unto my commandments, I will deliver thee up, and it shall be unto thee according to his desire and thou shalt rule over him. This then begs the question, how is it that Cain will rule over Satan in the next life? Cain will rule over Satan because Cain will have a body in the resurrection while Satan does not. The resurrection will be universal and every soul born into this world must receive his body and spirit reunited inseparably in the resurrection. Satan was denied the privilege of receiving a body of flesh and bones, the blessings of mortality and the resurrection because of his rebellion. There must have been a time in the eternity past when he was considered faithful and great honors had been bestowed upon him, for he was known as Lucifer, which is interpreted as light bearer. Whether those who in mortal life rebel and become sons of perdition will be able to exercise greater dominion than those who followed Lucifer, who became the devil and arch enemy of Jesus Christ, might be a moot question. However, the Lord has made it definitely clear that Cain will hold that ascendancy in the realm of wickedness. The information given is definite that Cain became perdition and that Lucifer, who is Satan, became subject to him. It appears that the reason Satan desired to have him was due to the fact that Cain had obtained a body of flesh and bones and therefore had superior power and Satan was willing to accept and be obedient to him because of that condition. The natural conclusion is, therefore, that a devil with a body of flesh and bones has some power greater than one who was denied the physical body. And that was from Joseph Fielding Smith. Verse 24, For from this time forth thou shalt be the father of his lies, thou shalt be called perdition, for thou wast also before the world. Anytime we begin to stray from God, he warns us through the Holy Ghost's promptings. Cain must have been predisposed in his life prior to mortality to love Satan more than God. In Ether it says, And it came to pass that thus they did, they did agree with Achish, and Achish did administer unto them the oaths which were given by them of old, who also sought power which had been handed down even from Cain, who was a murderer from the beginning. Verse 25, And it came to pass, and it shall be said in time to come, that these abominations were had from Cain, for he rejected the greater counsel which was had from God, and this is a cursing which I will put upon thee, except thou repent. And Cain was wroth, and listened not any more to the voice of the Lord, neither to Abel his brother, who walked in holiness before the Lord. Anger seems to get in the way of humble repentance. Those who refuse to repent become sons of perdition. 27. And Adam and his wife mourned before the Lord because of Cain and his brethren. Cain was not the only one who turned from the Lord. And it came to pass that Cain took one of his brother's daughters to wife, and they loved Satan more than God. And Satan said unto Cain, Swear unto me by thy throat. 
This is the beginning of the secret oaths that were the secret combinations mentioned in the Book of Mormon. And if thou tell it, thou shalt die, and swear thy brethren by their heads, and by the living God, that they tell it not. For if they tell it, they surely shall die. And this, that thy father may not know it. Isn't it interesting that they're trying to hide this from their father? Um, Satan's telling him that you won't be found out. But that's obviously a lie. And this day I will deliver thy brother Abel into thine hands. Uh, secret combinations are for the purpose of murder and gain. Verse 30, And Satan swore unto Cain that he would do according to his commands, and all these things were done in secret. However, Satan won't keep his promise. And Cain said, Truly I am, may I am Mahan. The words means destroyer, the master of this great secret, that I may murder and get gain. Wherefore, Cain was called Master Mahan, or mind, destroyer, and great one, are possible meanings of the roots evident in Mahan. And he gloried in his wickedness. And Cain went into the field, and Cain talked with Abel his brother. And it came to pass that while they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Now this is premeditated murder. And Cain gloried in that which he had done. He was happy, saying, I am free. Was he really free? Surely the flocks of my brother falleth into my hands. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? Now the Lord knows exactly where Abel is. He's just trying to get Cain to uh, see what he's done and to repent. And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood cries unto me from the ground. And now thou shalt be called, thou shalt be cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond thou shalt be in the earth. So a fugitive is somebody that's always running, and a vagabond is somebody that wanders uh, without a place to live. 38, And Cain said unto the Lord, Satan tempted me because of my brother's flocks, and I was wroth. So he's blaming Satan, and he's blaming Abel too. And I was wroth also, and his offering thou didst accept and not mine. So he's saying he's also blaming God for this. My punishment is greater than I can bear. Cain is not sorry for what he did, but is sorry for his punishment. He is not repentant. <clears throat> he's, in other words, saying my wickedness is too great to be forgiven. 39. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the Lord. Cain is driven out like Adam was driven out. And from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that he that findeth me will slay me because of mine iniquities, for these things are not hid from the Lord. So here Cain is afraid that he's going to die because then he would be subject to the buffetings of Satan in the spirit world. And so he's hoping that he doesn't have to die. Verse 49, the Lord said unto him, Whosoever slayeth thee, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. So this shows us that capital punishment is not instituted until the time of Noah. And I, the Lord, set a mark upon Cain, and that's a mark of black skin. If you look at Moses uh, chapter 7, verses 8 and 22, refers back to that. Lest any find him, finding him should kill him. Now, there's a story in the church history, and President Kimball put this into his book, Miracle of Forgiveness, and it's from the life of David W. Patton. In recent years, in the research that's been done with the Joseph Smith Papers, there's some question about whether this story actually occurred or not. But I'm going to include it here just to, because it's interesting, and you can decide if it's true or not. On the sad character Cain, an interesting story comes to us from Lycurgus A. Wilson's book on the life of David W. Patton. 
From the book, I quote an extract from a letter by Abraham O. Smoot, giving his recollection of David Patton's account of meeting a very remarkable person who had represented himself as being Cain. As I was riding along the road on my mule, I suddenly noticed a very strange personage walking beside me. His head was about even with my shoulders as I sat in my saddle. He wore no clothing, but was covered with hair. His skin was very dark. I asked him where he dwelt, and he replied that he had no home, that he, was, that he wandered in the earth and traveled to and fro. He said he was a very miserable creature, that he had earnestly sought death during his sojourn upon the, the earth, but that he could not die, and his mission was to destroy the souls of men. About the time he expressed himself thus, I rebuked him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by virtue of the holy priesthood, and commanded him to go hence, and he immediately departed out of my sight. Now, whether that story is true or not, we don't know, but it's interesting here that if uh, this actually was Cain, and that he's wandering, uh, and that he, did, he hasn't died, that he's still alive, I wonder how that could be. So, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, nobody else's, I haven't heard this from anybody else, but what if... After Cain has done this and he's been cursed by God, what if he went back to the Garden of Eden and partook of the tree of life, the fruit of the tree of life, and lived forever? Remember that when, when Adam was taken out of the garden and God put an angel there to guard the tree to make sure that Adam and Eve didn't partake of it because it said that they would live forever in their sins. I'm wondering if Cain went back into the garden and was able to partake of the fruit of the tree of, of life and therefore live and is continuing to live even today. So it's just a thought, just an idea. Not, I don't know if it's true or not. I have no idea, but it's just my opinion. So you don't have to believe that. Just an idea. Back to the scripture. Verse 41. And Cain was shut out from the presence of the Lord and with his wife, and many of his brethren dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And so now this talks about uh, Cain and, and his family and how they're going to grow. And, uh, and have more children. Verse 47, Lamech, who's uh, a son or grandson, has two wives, and this is the first time that we have a, a record of having more than one wife at a time. Uh, but they weren't happy with Lamech. Lamech says that he also killed somebody and that his pe penalty would be even greater than Cain's. Uh, verse 51, for from the days of Cain, there was a secret combination and their works were in the dark and they knew every man his brother. And so here we have um, secret combinations being uh, prevalent now among the people. Um, verse 53, And among the daughters of men these things were not spoken, because the Lamech had spoken the secret unto his wives. And they rebelled against him and declared these things abroad and had not compassion. So Cain's or Lamech's wives uh, were not accepting what had happened, and so they're trying to rat him out here too. Down to verse 58, thus the gospel began to be preached from the beginning, being declared by holy angels sent forth from the presence of God and by his own voice and by the gift of the Holy Ghost. So these are the various means of revelations that we even have today. And thus all things were confirmed unto Adam by an holy ordinance and the gospel preached and a decree sent forth that it should be in the world until the end thereof. And thus it was. Amen. So here we have uh, that the gospel is going to be preached throughout the world until the very end of the world and uh, that we can uh, have revelations through the Holy Ghost by angels or by the voice of God himself. Now notice that uh, Cain, when he was being tempted by, by Satan, was also being encouraged by the Lord not to commit the sin. Whenever we have a temptation, the Spirit's always going to be there to help us to, to fight against that and to convince us not to sin. 
And it's up to us then to make the choice. I pray that we might make the right choice of keeping the commandments and following the Savior. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. If you like this podcast, you can share or make comments if you like or subscribe. Thank you. Bye. See you next time.